What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind, no sorry, what was it? Me and my friend Mark, we're gonna stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to uh, Behind the Gorilla. We got another uh, non-topic episode for you, which it, it very well could become a trend. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, hmm. yeah, so we're just going to talk about. There's been a handful of things that have happened this week, so we're just going to talk through uh, some of those big AEW show. I'm sure WWE ran shows, but um, yeah, fun. Yeah, it was fun. I had fun. We'll see how long the uh, like last week we hadn't recorded for a while. Yeah. So we could we could easily not have a topic and just say, oh, yeah, we had so much to catch up on. And this week, it's well, like, yeah, yeah we had like a whole a... month and stuff. Yeah, there was yeah. a bunch of stuff. And this week, it's like, yeah, there was a big AEW special. Like it wasn't quite a pay-per-view, but it might as you know, they treated it like one. It yeah. might as you know, it's a TV special. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what the next few weeks look like if we're still like, yeah. <laughs> uh, We'll figure it out. It's gonna right. Be good. Yeah. It'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting formatting changes. That's, that's a good way to, <laughs> good way to put it, I guess. Okay. In a way. But, um, a, uh, we just passed the anniversary of David Arquette's triple cage match for the world title. That was this past week. That was a few days ago. The anniversary Heck of yeah. that from a Slamboree 2000 with, uh, David Arquette, DDP, and Jeff Jarrett. In the uh, triple cage, and David Arquette turned heel on DDP, whacked him with a guitar, and then Jarrett became champion. Definitely one of the most iconic moments in wrestling history. For Without sure. A doubt. For Without sure. a doubt. Yeah. So that, that triple cage, that's that makes Hell in a Cell look like... <sighs> hmm. Nothing. I don't know. I'm trying to think of another bad stipulation. Uh, it makes it look like the... Uh, looks like a lumberjack match. I don't know. Or the... Oh, man. What was the name? Oh, shoot. I'm t- I totally blanked on the name. What was the name of the match where uh, Abdullah the Butcher got uh, uh, killed, got executed was that in the, the electric Chamber chair? of Horrors? Or am I making that up? That sounds right. Like, Chamber, of, Chamber Horrors of Horrors is definitely match. a thing. Yeah. And I... Yeah, that, that sounds right. That we'll, sounds we'll go right with that. to me, too. I'm pretty uh, yeah. sure we did that for an episode. Oh, no, we did. No, no, no. I, I We did that this. as an episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. But anyway. Yeah. Um, love that big triple cage. I feel like WCW did a lot of triple cages of various designs over the years, but that's the one I always think of with yeah. the wee little one up top. What was <laughs> – I should have I, – I, I, I wish I had known that. I think I saw a tweet, but I forgot. I probably would have rewatched it. What was the goal of that match? Was it to get it's to It's literally the top? a ladder match. <laughs> like it's literally a ladder match. Oh, that's, you have so to climb gotta... the three cages and then grab the title. Great. That's yeah, it's perfect. That's really it's amazing. Good. It's amazing. I bet it took them it, so long to set that thing up. Probably, but uh, yeah, yeah, I would assume so. Because they, they, they not to get ahead of ourselves here, but the way they had to tape dynamite this week, they had to tape a bunch of it beforehand, and then the only thing that was live this week was that blood and guts match because they couldn't like in time for the show they couldn't put that big double cage together right yeah yeah i mean you... yeah they they had to film the whole blood and guts match Ta- they had to tape it and there was no crowd there and uh so that that pissed a lot of people off because like like basically what they did was the when they did the show like with the crowd for the main event they just showed it on the video board and the crowd mm-hmm. reacted to it it's like yeah no that would piss me off too well, yeah, you saw. This was my favorite, like, petty wrestling rumor this week was that they offered refunds to everyone who was mad, uh-huh. and they granted five refunds. So five people were like, "Nope," which I don't know. Like, I didn't do this, but if I had driven from Atlanta, thinking, "Yeah, blood and guts," this would yeah. be a good week to do it. Well, like, did they not tell anybody? Was that like the big thing? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, well, and because that, because that, that's kind of BS. Like, if they did all this and didn't tell anybody right like, didn't tell the ticket holders beforehand like that's messed up but so that that's that's one part i don't know about the 
Yeah, I don't know either. I just thought that was funny. I mean, good on them for offering refunds, I guess, because that's sure. more of a PR move than anything else. But I think it's funny that five people were like, nope, want none of this. No goodwill <laughs> from me. Give me my $20 back, however, you know, however yeah, yeah, much yeah. it costs. No, it's fine. That's, that, that's, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So, uh, uh you start? one other, oh, no, hang on. Ahead, no. So ahead. one of the other current event thing, since I'm the WWE side of things, I suppose Daniel Bryan lost what was basically a loser leaves town match last yeah. Friday night on SmackDown, a loser leaves. It, it was right. technically he's banished from SmackDown. Yeah. But then you wake up Saturday morning and you start kind of checking out the dirt sheets and lo and behold, no, Daniel Bryan's contract like actually expired Friday mm-hmm. at midnight. Yeah. And, you know, odds are odds are 10 to one. He's just holding out for a little bit more money and like a guaranteed WrestleMania and SummerSlam appearance every year. And that's it. But theoretically, we could see something else happen. And that would be True. really fun. I'm not going to get my hopes too high, but that's definitely worth mentioning as just a possible thing that could happen, especially with. When is double or nothing? It's the end of the month, it's, right? Uh, it's coming up. a couple weeks. Yeah, it's the end of yeah. end of May. Yeah. So especially with that coming up, if we're going to see a big surprise, it's usually, you know, it's usually going to be on one of those pay-per-views. True. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm excited to see if it does. I'm already fantasy booking it like every <laughs> other wrestling fan out there. <laughs> yeah, that's always a great idea. Oh, and we'll just let him like he's at the stage where he can just be like, hey, put me in a match with – Kenny Omega or John Moxley or I don't know somebody said, but but at the same time, like there is no room for anyone no. else. It, there, there's Agreed. not like there already isn't. Like AEW has signed way way <laughs> too many. I honestly don't know what they're doing. Like they're they're morons. They have signed way too many people. They have one show. One real show. They have two YouTube shows that they do. Well, now. they put everyone like, else on the YouTube right, shows. But nobody cares and nobody watches those. They have one real show. Why why do they keep signing people? I don't understand. Like they already all these big signings then end up doing nothing because there's nothing for them to do because there's no room. And I'm just it's weird that they keep doing that. Like it just feels very WWE ish because that's what yeah. they were doing for so long. And it's just like. I don't know. I don't really get it, but well, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a problem. I think the benefit of Daniel Bryan, especially at this point, is he can just do like true sports style wrestling matches. Somebody pitched this and I, I this is the thing that will not happen and I'll get my hopes way too high for. But, you know, they've been running all of these like weird sideshow boxing matches on stuff like Triller. And zone like weird, like decentralized stuff like, mm-hmm. oh, you can watch Jake Paul fight a retired wrestler and see right. how that goes. Like <laughs> the most pro wrestling thing in the world. Somebody with that trailer money just needs to be like, hey, Daniel Bryan, you're going to wrestle at the main event of a show that I'm making up because people will pay money to watch you wrestle and just treat it like a straight match. Yeah, you don't have to have him, you, you know, or the same thing applies to AEW. He doesn't have to be on Dynamite every week. It could just be an exhibition. And people would tune in to watch that because that'd be super fun. Again, true. I don't think any of this will actually happen. Maybe he'll show up in Japan and wrestle one or two people just for fun. But yeah, it's exciting to at least think about. That was the only that, that was the biggest current events thing that I think happened this week is just that that's that's possible until we yeah. confirm that he's signed another WWE contract. Like if anybody is going to walk away from a lot of money just because he kind of wants to go wrestle three people in Japan and one guy in Ring of Honor and one guy in AEW. Like, Daniel Bryan would do that. He's not yeah, Brock he Lesnar in that regard, you know? So <laughs> That is true. That it's is wild true. that Brock Lesnar hasn't done anything in a while, now that I think about it. Not but really. No, why? He's, I'm pretty sure he's not under contract. Yeah, but, like, why would he do any? Like, no. uh, he really seems like one of those people who's just like, eh, why? Like, I'm good. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that that's clearly it. I'm sure they'll bring him back in and have Roman beat him at some point. But I'm chilling. I'm chilling on my farm in uh, Canada. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. He's good. He's suplexing moose in Canada. He's yeah. doing great. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the other thing, which I mean, we can't really talk about it because I haven't watched it yet. But the the dark the next season of Dark Side of the Ring has started. 
and they did a two-parter on Brian Pillman, and everyone's raving mm. about it. Apparently, it's amazing. Like, really, I guess I should really watch good. That. So, uh, mm. yeah, I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Because, yeah, all the Dark Side of the Ring episodes I've seen have been great. Um, I think I'm getting them. Isn't Vice or something? Isn't yeah, there another Vice. series happening? Okay, so A&E is also doing, like, WWE documentaries because they've done one yeah, about Rowdy yeah. Roddy Piper and one about Macho Man. Yeah, that's I've been different. getting those two series confused in my head. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, but um, no, the uh, all the Dark Side of the Ring stuff has been really good. And there's going to be a David Arquette episode in this season. So I'm really, oh, really, really excited for that. Uh, yes. It's uh, it's David Arquette and Nick Gage. That's the uh, oh, that's the okay. episode, I'm pretty sure. So um, that makes more sense because I was like, I mean, I know his run was, you know, not popular originally, but doesn't seem quite as grim as some of the other stuff they've talked about. on yeah, that show. Yeah. But yeah, no, the one where he almost where he almost died in a warehouse somewhere yeah that makes more sense yeah actually hang on i'm gonna look this up i'm gonna see if they have like the dates for when these are gonna air yeah that's definitely good to know anytime the david arquette discourse is up is a good time for us oh yeah no 100 percent let's see oh look at that the next one's the uh north korea oh no no the next one is david arquette hang on let me see or at least it's nick gage so I assume that would be that. Okay, so it's not a David Arquette episode. It's a Nick Gage episode. Ah, uh, well. Well, that's kind of okay. disappointing. Boo. Well, he'll get his own one day. There's more, more time for him. I don't know. Let's see. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to get more information. The one about Korea sounds awesome. Yeah, I was about to say, but we, we already did that. that. Yeah, we did that one too. <laughs> Collision in Korea. There's the uh, Brian Pillman ones. That doesn't have a list on it. No. Let's see. Uh... Yeah, so I believe it's the next episode. It'll be... Uh... Yeah, The Ultraviolence of Nick Gage is the name of, uh, name of the episode. Mm. So that's going to be... There we go. More. We're going to have more David Arquette stuff to talk about. Yeah, this is good. This is this is very good. <laughs> Perfect. It's always always fun. We we need more David Arquette stuff. We always we, always need more David Arquette stuff. We really do. We really do. It's funny because we used to have a recurring segment of what he's doing, but he's just kind of chilling right now. So yeah, well, the, well, the pandemic kind of put a kibosh on anything anyone was doing. Oh uh, yeah, that's true too. So that didn't really. So maybe he'll maybe he'll see AEW sign too many people, except they should sign David Arquette. One hundred percent. Take away. One hundred percent. But yeah, so this uh, this Nick Gage episode will be on Thursday. So next week we'll be able to talk about that. All right, sweet. Fun. That'll be fun. All uh, right. Um, you want you want to talk? Uh, did, did you watch any WWE this week? No, no, I didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, me neither. Um, so. All right. Um, blood and guts. They had, they had WWE did shows, I'm sure. And I don't, I don't know what happened. So, all right. Uh, blood and guts. AEW <laughs> dynamite. The only sh wrestling show that worth watching, um, except for NWA, but we haven't been watching it, which I do feel kind of bad about, but <laughs> they only, it's, it's worth watching. It's not worth the time and trouble to pay six dollars a week yeah it's not worth that yeah because we're stingy it's, it's not yeah and but go back i'm to also YouTube. <laughs> i'm too lazy to set up a fight account also because i can i i can frankly afford six dollars a week i spend that on <laughs> far dumber things but especially when it takes place like literally like down the road from where i live across the interstate from yeah. where i work just let me go watch it let me in i'll pay six dollars to watch it there are they not still not letting people in to watch it? I don't like, think so. Really? But okay, we wouldn't know, funny. right? Because we haven't been watching it. So <laughs> maybe it's a packed house. I don't know. Yeah, you they need, could to, you be need to get on that. opening the doors for free every week, and I would not know. Yeah, you need to get on that. Yeah, Missed, opportunity. Missed opportunity. Missed <laughs> opportunity. All right. Uh, Blood and Guts. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston, Kenny Omega, and uh, Nakazawa. That was the first match, although didn't really end up happening that way. It was kind of took a while for it to get going because the heels are heels and that's really all there it, it is kind of weird that they're really pushing that coward heel thing with omega like that's just it's an interesting 
I don't know. I just think it's kind of an interesting idea. Just because you know he's a good, tough wrestler? Right. It's just, huh. well, I mean, I guess, but it's just, and like, I think it works. Like, I like it, but it's just, it's not, it wasn't what I thought they were going to do. Like, it's not the direction I thought they were going to go with mm-hmm. with the character. But but I like it. I mean, again, we've mentioned this before. That's kind of the best types of heels in all of, you know, in wrestling history are the really good wrestlers who then play the coward heel. It, it's just a good combo because especially when you have a character that you know is good and they still act this way, there's just a element of more annoyance. So, yeah, I think, I think it it's all sort of like they didn't like they didn't give him an entrance, right? Because they know people think the entrance is kind of fun. So they just have him sneak in stuff like that. I think, yep. yeah, it's it's denying the audience what they want. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan personally of him, especially if you're going to be that kind of heel, like the chickenish heel. Mm-hmm. Having toadies that can just get killed for you every <laughs> single week. I was a big fan of that. I was that a big works. fan of him just being like, "Nah, man, you got this," and just leaving, and him just getting <laughs> annihilated. Like they, like Kingston and Moxley have some sort of tag team finishing move. I don't remember what exactly it is. Yeah, but like they hit it simultaneously and pinned him. Just, just annihilated him. Yep, that's such a great touch. If you're gonna be the kind of guy that runs from everything, like when Seth Rollins was at his heel peak, he had J and J security just getting like thrown through structures every week. Mm-hmm. That was really, really fun. <laughs> Same concept. Yep. Yep. And uh, and then it's even better when he leaves the guy to just get annihilated and then comes back in to attack them afterwards. Like yeah. it's just that that's just great. That's just good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Good, uh cool. yeah, so so we just had we continue to establish this faction. They're the big bad heels even though there's not really I mean th- is it just me? Like, I feel like there's not really much of a story going on. It's just kind of mm-hmm. these are the big heels and Moxley is the baby face. And that's kind of and that's kind of all it is. Like, there's not. Yeah, it's weird. It Like, at, at this point, I feel like we should have already been established with this and there should be a clearer direction especially this close to the pay-per-view. And then out of nowhere, they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to wrestle the winner of Orange Cassidy and pa- <laughs> and Pack for the title. You're like, wait, what? You have four pay-per-views a year, and you've had no build whatsoever to yep. your double or nothing title match. I-, I just, I don't know what they're doing. It's it's like someone forgot that they need to plan things or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Seems very disorganized. Yeah. It's weird because he like his feud with Moxley, where he eventually won the title, I feel like was really telegraphed yeah. and they did like they built it. They let it cook for a while. Yeah. And then he won. And then it was like in for a while, like he turned heel. He teamed with Don Callis. He was sort of feuding with the Young Bucks for a while. Yeah. And then the Young Bucks were like, now nah, we'll be heels, too, actually. Right. And there's, yeah, there is no direction. Like in every other title scene, every other faction, you get a sense of who they're friends with, who they're not friends with, who they're feuding with on a regular basis and where that's going. Mm -hmm. But it was a really weird, especially on the same show, it was really weird to continue the Kingston and Moxley versus Kenny Omega and friends feud Mm -hmm. and then turn right around at the end of the same episode and say, okay, you're going to fight these two uh, random people. And here's your first interaction with Orange Cassidy right here. Let's go. Like, that was odd. I guess the long-term plan is to have him do something with Moxley later, but I I don't, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. the long-term plan is. It feels really thrown together in a way a well, lot of the stuff on the show usually it, doesn't. But then it made it even more confusing later with that whole promo setting up the double or nothing title match where it's like, I mean, right. yeah, that whole segment was great. Like the promo was awesome and, and everything Omega did was, was fantastic. But you're just like, well, where did this come from? Wh- why? We we have not mentioned Pac or Orange Cassidy with Kenny Omega in any way, shape or form in a very, very, very long time. So you're just yeah. like, I-, I know this is their attempt to do that rankings thing. 
And that's yeah. that's why they're doing which I get, but they also don't mention that a ton. Like I didn't know Pac was a number one contender. Because last week it was Hangman and he, then he lost to Brian Cage, but then it was never really mentioned again. They don't they didn't mention how the rankings changed at any point. It just then this promo they're like, and this these are the top two contenders. And I'm like, how is Orange Cassidy ranked? I feel like he hasn't been doing anything as far as that goes. Like so it's just like it's a really good idea, but they have no idea how to actually utilize it. And that's very clear. Yeah. I don't really get Don Callis' whole thing. Like, I know what he does. I know sort of who he is. I feel like ever since he got introduced, it just became like they're all vaguely like him, and that's why they're bad guys. But there doesn't yeah. seem to be any, like, long-term plan no it's just them being kind of obnoxious together which is fine i suppose but it's like i'd rather i'd rather this we're nitpicking here yeah i at this point i'd much much rather the alpha heel group be pinnacle at this point yeah this is a group that every it makes sense it's fully formed it's fleshed out they have characters they have direction and they at this point this elite group or whatever the hell they're called with them. It's like they have, do they have a name? That's another reason. I, I don't know. Not really gel for me. I don't you know. Just Cause you know who they all are and you're just like, Oh yeah, it's those guys. And that's it. I don't think they have a name. I, I, I don't think so. It's and, just the super elite. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the YouTube stars. Yeah. You know them from it, being the elite. Maybe they explain it there. That's where all their character and backstory is. Yeah. Know. It's just, it's just weird, but uh, but that promo was really good. And Omega setting the stuff up with Pack and then Cassidy, like that was all really well done. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and that'll, I mean, it'll be fun regardless. Like that, you know, that that'll be a great match. But it, if when you only have four pay per views, and the whole reason you do that are so you can have these big fleshed out stories for each of them, and then this is what's happening. You're just like, okay, come on, guys, like this is this is this is not this is not well and to be honest it seems like most of AEW is kind of like that right now where it's <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of directions everything seems to be kind of in a flux period right now where they're not exactly sure where to go with a lot of stuff i wonder how much of that is them seeing that like live touring is going to come back soon and they're could just be. trying could be. to they're trying to wait until they're back on the road to really start telling everything. There's still, you know, they're progressing with some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's some stuff. Uh, uh, obviously, like everything with the TNT title has been great, um, mm-hmm. and all those characters. Now we have Miro coming out challenging for that, so we're gonna get to Called see it. that. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Harris, Harris I'm so Harris excited for that. So we're ready for next week for uh, Darby Allen to get killed yep. live in the ring. Yep. And uh, Miro will be TNT champion for probably a while. And uh, yeah, and I think that's the right move. I think that's a good move right now. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And um, yeah, so all that stuff has been good. Pretty much everything with Darby Allen and Sting. And um, uh, who, who did they get attacked by? Um, I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't remember what was his name because it's somebody he used to feud with and evolve because in cutting the promo, he made Scorpio Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They're now the ones attacking. Ethan Page, that's his name. They're attacking Sting and Darby Allen now. Um, Well, that part was great because he was like, hey, Darby Allen, you and I have a lot of history together, but I'm not going to talk about that because it was a bunch of matches nobody watched. And I was like, thank (laughs) you. After years on this show of like the elite winking and nodding about every internet nonsense thing they did in Japan or whatever mm-hmm. the last four years, like we have any idea what that means. I really love that Ethan was Ethan Page was like, "Hey, Harris doesn't care about any of this. I'm gonna beat you up, Darby <laughs> Allen." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, let's go." That was very funny. Uh, Give me yeah, a little bit awesome. more of that. That I enjoyed that spot, like that promo. I because I, I don't. I didn't remember his name clearly. Like I don't know a lot about him. Right. But that was the moment that made me sit up and be like, okay, that was good. Thank you. That's, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. And then Darby Allen threw himself down a flight of concrete stairs. Yeah. 
Because he's an absolute lunatic. Of course. Which is uh, another thing I, I can't wait to talk about when we get to the Blood and Guts match later. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that that was all fantastic. So, yeah, no, there, there's still some really good stuff in, um, going on in AEW. It's just they definitely seem to not – they're not banging on, on all cylinders. I think that's a good way to uh, to, to briefly describe that. Um, Cody Rhodes continues to just <laughs> suck. Where it's just like, dude, you drive me nuts, man. You drive. Okay. It's just, I understand. Like, I get it. He's in charge as far as any wrestler is, you know, involved. Like, he's the top guy when it comes to that. Like, controlling the show and and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, I get it. So, he's taking that very seriously. And, but because of that, I feel like. His whole thing is, all right, so I have to kind of be this father figure guy. So, oh, right off the bat, I'm never going to wrestle for the title again. And now I'm just going to wrestle all these crappy people and try and get them (laughs) over. And nobody cares. And in the process now, way less people care about me, but I'm too stupid to realize it. It drives me nuts, man. Cody is the top baby face in this stupid company. or uh, Him and Moxley. And yeah. And it is just like the interesting Cody Rhodes is just like because he keeps doing stuff like this. Like, I get it. You have a kid coming. You're in charge of the show. You don't really give a crap about wrestling anymore. Clearly, it's like your whole thing is I'm going to get everyone over. And it's like, okay, man, you need to take a step back and uh, maybe put that ego in in a little bit of check. It's one of the first (laughs) times I felt that way about Cody. And it's just like. Look, man, you're better than this. You're, you're better it, than this. It's interesting that you ascribe that to ego because I was the I, I it's reverse I, ego. Like it's reverse. Right. Like in I, his mind, he's doing this for other people. But exactly. at the same time, he's thinking I'm this good that I can get mm. all these people over. So maybe he doesn't even realize it. But that's kind of what I think it's kind yeah, of turning I, into. I think Cody Rhodes would be a lot more entertaining television if Cody Rhodes, the person was a little bit more selfish, but like he's we're, better we're as being, a heel. I mean, he's always been better as a heel. Uh, we um, see. And listen, I mean, we like the show, right? Like we oh, I, yeah. this was appointment television for me this week to sit down and watch it. So we're nitpicking yep. the negative stuff. A oh little yeah, bit. for and sure. We'll, we are. We'll talk about a lot of positives later, but like a few weeks ago, he had that match with Shaq and that was super fun. It like was. that was really, really cool. It was. I think, you nailed it. Like what he's clearly doing is like, all right, Brandy's about to have a baby. Like I'm going to be, he's still going to be involved, but I imagine that's going to take up a lot of his time pretty shortly. So his thinking is, Hey, let me give this rub to a few other people. So it isn't, it it doesn't just have to be the Cody Rhodes and the elite show, especially if he's going to take a little bit more time off right after Brandy has a baby. All of that makes sense. Yeah. But here's the thing, Mark, this is how I'll put this. QT Marshall could be played by a different person every week, and I don't think I would notice. I realized that this week because every time I see him on my television, I'm like, oh, so that's QT Marshall. And then I kind of keep like doing my laundry or half watching. Like, yeah, I, I just wouldn't. He could be played by Bully Ray next week, and I'd be like, wait a minute. That's what it would take for me to notice, like that level of yeah anachronism i it's so he beat him right and now he's feuding with is that another guy that was in his nightmare family and turned heel on him or is this a different mid-card guy who i'm skipping ahead so cody won the match oh yeah well well because qt has that another uh retarded faction called the factory that nobody gives two craps about well because that's with, uh, with the with the british boxer the um, British boxer. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's going to be the next person Cody tries to get over. Is it bad that if he was called the British boxer, he'd be more memorable and more over in my mind than whatever his yeah, real I name think, is? Yeah, I think that was a missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, Anthony Agogo <laughs> is his name. Um, that that sounds like a pop star. Yes, it does. It's terrible. But he man. was an um, actual boxer, right? And that right, was, like, right. Yeah, no, he was like an actual champion thing. boxer, like for real. Yeah. Um, See, that's the thing. If Cody Rhodes was like, was was fighting Miro for the TNT title in a month. Yeah. That would be probably the coolest thing in the company, in my yeah. opinion. Oh, but they're not 100 percent. 
uh, I'm sure this guy's fine. But like, even if, if it was Tyson Fury, like, okay, that's something. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and it's just uh, again, I get it. I get, I get it. Doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. But I get it. No. And so no. it's just a shame because Cody's my, Cody's Cody's my boy. Always has been. Yeah, ever he's, since, he's ever good since he too. came in, like 2007 WWE. And uh, it's just a shame when you've seen, you know, him do his best work over the past, like, couple years. And now it's just like this. And you're like, ugh. You're so much better than this. I think I think he'll get it back. I think he's, uh, I think when he comes back from paternity leave or whatever his equivalent of it is, I think yeah. he'll hit the ground running. But, yeah, it's so. been, I I'm glad so. to hear you say that because if you were really into this match, I would not have had anything to say. <laughs> no, no, it, it was, it was, I mean, again, it's fine. Like, QT's a great yep. wrestler. Nobody's arguing that. We okay. just don't care. I'm sorry. He's got no, he just does not have, he doesn't have it. He just doesn't. And, and that's, you know, and that's fine. There's a handful of wrestlers who were like that. There was a bunch in WWE for years. And most of them ended up becoming the main teachers and, like, producers. Because they were, you know, the Dean Malenkos, the Fit Finleys, like, these guys who were always the best workers. But as far as character went, eh, wasn't yeah. really there. But, but are, you know, great mentors and all that stuff. I mean, heck, you could even put Dustin in that category for a time period. Um he was kind of like that for a while, and uh, obviously he's been able to do a lot more, and he's a different level than these other people for sure. But um, but like that's QT, and and he's also you know it's not like this is an up and coming whatever. Like I just don't really get this push. It's just it really does feel like oh it's Cody's friend, and now we're doing this, and you're like yeah that's been the criticism on of twitter with cody for a while and i've always fought back against it but at this point it's like yeah that's what's happening and it's not good and that's the problem because <laughs> again he was the one that put over darby allen uh you yeah know, he i mean he was doing you know he he's been doing that from the start and that's a great thing to do but at some point when you keep trying with some of these people it's just not working. And then at some point you just got to move on. You, you go on to someone else. And yeah, so this is, I think we're kind of, we spent a lot of time on this, but I do think it's interesting. I think we're kind of getting into the territory where like, it's the same situation as the women's division where you're like, Oh, you got to do a better job with the women's division. But then a lot of the women's matches they trot out there. were like, yeah, I didn't really watch it much. Cause I don't know much about either of the people involved yeah. and it was hard for me to get invested. Like when Cody puts over Darby Allen, you have some understanding of Darby Allen as a character. Darby Allen is the little dude, paints his face, almost kills himself, but he's tough as nails and he'll win a lot of matches that way. Yeah. You know, like you, you see him and you see him wrestle once or twice and you see him in one or two video packages and you're like, I get what this guy is. Yep. I don't know anything about QT Marshall. And maybe some of that's because I don't pay enough attention when he's on TV, but maybe if and they gave him more of a character – Maybe I'd pay more attention when he was on TV. Like, I don't know. The entire factory thing, I think, is a is a side effect of there being way too many factions yeah. in AEW. Yeah. And it's literally just like Cody and then Cody's like buddies from his training school or whatever. Yeah, that is. That's all it is. And when that's your entire reason for being and then eventually you turn heel on it. Like, that's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Gotta give me a little something. At least the British guy's British, right? So, that's something you different. Know, that's something so, British well, boxer, like we said. We'll see. We'll see. So, oh, yeah. well, I mean, you know, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be really good. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's not going to be terrible. Yeah. Anything that Cody's involved in is not going to be terrible. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm. Um. All right. What what else happened? Uh, Britt Baker squashed a- someone. Um, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, that, that look, a good squash match match is uh, is good every now and then. It and that's a solid solid thing to do, and I like that AEW still does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, because that's coming. That's gonna be the women's title match coming up, Britt Baker and Sheeta. So that'll be fun. Surely she's winning that, right? I mean, we can talk about point, this more the closer to the paper like, you would get. Sheeta, nobody cares. I'm sorry. Like, I think she would have won it six months ago if she hadn't gotten injured. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, this is definitely the time. Britt Baker needs to be champion. She's a perfect 
she's perfect to be the women's champion. Um, that that type of heel is perfect. She could hold it forever just by continuing to cheat and run away and all that stuff. Like she she's the perfect heel for that. Like to be mm-hmm. to be a long term champion. So yeah, that'll be fun. And then they can sign Thunder Rosa, and the whole angle can be: Wait a minute, I beat you. <laughs> I deserve the title. Oh, it's gonna be great. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right. Then we had a uh, four-team ta- four tag match. Um, and I like I like all the people involved, but I, I hate this format. I hate it. I hate multi-tag matches. I just don't. Interesting. It's just not that fun. Like, you can't really do much. It's You're just like, all right, it's just chaos. and Especially if it's a normal match. If you're looking right. at like a – like a ladder match or something crazy, yeah. you can kind of balance all of those spots. I'll be honest, I had a hard time getting into this match just because, and they've probably been pointing this out in the weeks leading up to this, but before the match, they're like, yeah, SCU says if they don't win the titles, they're going to break up. If they lose another match, they're going to break up. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder who's, like, yeah. you can't introduce that. And then they lose a match 10 minutes later. And I'm like, yeah, I guess we're done. Like, Yeah, I don't... Yeah, this kind of killed the suspense of the match for me, but it was it was fine. I yeah, I wasn't that into it after that because I was like, well, sounds like they're going to lose at the pay-per-view then. Like, that's got to be it. I mean, that's this is another thing that's weird that, again, it makes sense, but still seems rushed is the whole thing with this SCU Young Bucks thing, because SCU hasn't done anything in a long time. Like they haven't even been Mm -hmm. on the show for months. And then uh, then as soon as the Young Bucks turn heel, SCU comes out. It's like, ah, you're our friends and we hate you. And you're like, oh, okay, there you are. Where have you guys been? And now now they're just challenging for the title. They just immediately are winning an hour in the title match. You're like, oh, okay, so we've been building up Jurassic Express these past few months, and now, nope, they're just they're gone now. Varsity Blondes are another team that's been being built up recently, and no, so it's just like, oh, okay, we'll just we'll just uh, shoehorn SCU into the whole thing, and it's just well, now, like, and to be right. fair, because it's at the pay per view, right? It's yeah. not next week. No, I mean the plan is clearly like, all right, well, SCU is going to lose and break up, so it's sure, not like sure. they're going to be. They're not going to be taking up, like, you know, Jurassic Express's space for much longer. It's clearly, like, one last thing. But I just – SCU is another one of those teams that I'm like, all right, I know you guys are, like, good indie wrestlers, but I don't know anything about you as characters on a television show. So I've never been able to get that into them. I'm sure it will be a good match. Oh, the match is going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. The SCU Young Bucks tag team match will be really good. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but, uh, again, I just feel like all the planning that has been done recently has been bad, really bad. So, you know, we'll see. Um, so that was fine. It was rushed match really wasn't very good, but those (laughs) rarely are. So, uh, yeah. So then it's the blood and guts, which I didn't realize that was going to be that long. It was like 45 minutes long. It was, it was a really long match. Well, that's because 15 of that was commercial. Yeah. was a lot I get why they have to do that, man, but that really, by the third or fourth one, that really bad. started to take me out it of it. It was long. There was so many commercial breaks, and they were long breaks. Yeah. And somebody, somebody else pointed out, here's the thing, Mark. I appreciate that they try to do picture-in-picture picture so you don't miss the action. I hate it. But as a fan... I also know, okay, so nothing's going to happen because it's a commercial break. So people were pointing out, like, I don't pay that much attention during commercial breaks, but people were pointing out if you do, you can see Chris Jericho, for example, like climb the cage and then stop because he knows that when they come back from commercial, that's when he needs to be climbing onto the top of the cage. So he just kind (laughs) of sits there for like six, you know, for like two more minutes while the Hardys commercial runs in front of him. And he's just like, yep, just vibing like it would almost be better if they didn't yeah do that i agree it's just it's stupid weird. it's really stupid i hate but, it yeah i but like i get what they're going for I they do want too. it to be like a real sports thing here's the thing you got to have some somebody get pinned during a commercial break I know. and i know that's going to yeah. be kind of annoying for them or whatever but yep just to make me pay attention during your commercial breaks again but we're getting ahead of ourselves here yeah. uh but uh, you know, I mean, this is a, I mean, this is, you know, it's it's war games, it's war games. But they can't use that, they can't use that name because 
Obviously, WWE owns it. So that's why they constantly are like, yeah, the history of the blood and guts match invented by Co- <laughs> invented by Dusty Rhodes and all this stuff. And I was sitting there. I was like, I mean, I know they're talking about war games, but they kind of sound stupid when they're saying it this way. But I get it. I get it because it's true because yeah. right? that's all that's all it is. It's I mean, it's exactly what it is. It's just a war games match. But uh, but yeah, I, was... I, I, I like this format. I, I like this format of a match where it's like. You have to, you know, they slowly bring in all the people and then you can't win it until everyone's in. Like, it's just, it's different. Does it make any sense? No. Is it stupid? Kind of, yeah, if you think about it. But <laughs> but it's fun. Like, I enjoy it. Because it's like you get that Royal Rumble element kind of yeah. kind of into it too. And so it keeps it moving and, and changing and it keeps it different. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um. I thought the what were the inner circle wearing like the vests with they were wearing the, the prison uniforms. Prison? That was a little weird. I don't know. That was that, weird. The baby faces I, were wearing prison uniforms and the heels were wearing all white. I did like right, that like, though. That was a good touch. That <laughs> Just is the fact good, that all the pinnacle were all wearing all white. I was like, okay, good. That that's a good. It's a good move right there. That's a good heel move. Yeah, I, I, I just thought the jail thing. I feel like they hadn't really talked about it. It no. wasn't called like a. But but know. again, it, it it's par for the course because Inner Circle has always worn these crazy matching things. Like Jericho yeah. goes out and gets these crazy. They wore those football uniforms right. for the stadium stampede. Like so so that it fits with the you know it fits with their character. Right, and it's definitely a Chris Jericho thing to go yep. a little above and beyond. Chris Jericho is kind of like that. Like if you have a really like kind of dorky and over enthusiastic boss who's like not a bad boss, but he's always making you do stuff that you're kind of like this is a little. This is yeah. overkill. That's, but yeah, where, so, that's where you were saying last week when you're talking about how Jericho isn't quite there as a baby face yet. I think this is one of those things because it's really <laughs> stupid. And when you're right. a heel, it's great because it's hilarious. And, you know, you're a heel. But when you're the baby face, you're just kind of like, OK, well, it's it's just right. it doesn't quite work as well. Right. Exactly. So like but it's you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, and it was fine. good. It's not bad. So the. My there's two, you know, major takeaways I have from this match. Both of them, I think, will be pretty obvious, especially the second one. But the first one is that, like, I've always kind of known, Okay, like Sammy Guevara is going to be great. Like he's got a bright future ahead of him. This was the match where I was like, yeah, this is it. Like they're showing it it. to you now. Yeah, Yeah. he was incredible. And I like it's such a great. I know technically they're the face team, but you know, they've been heels for so long. This is a great, like baby face singles wrestler foreshadowing moment where he's like, I don't, I don't care. I'll start the match and I'll be outnumbered for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to start the match. And I don't care because I'm, I'm still really good. I'm not scared of you. I'm going to go in there and tear it up. And that's exactly what he did. He was awesome. He was the perfect person to start this match. Dude, I think he, he did, got a great rub that, out of it. He did that like s- double springboard Spanish fly on Sean Spears. I've never like I- I'd never seen that done like that. And it was amazing. Like I I, I haven't seen someone oh, and he did another thing too, where he jumped from like multiple ropes. I was like, man, I haven't seen that since Rey Mysterio did that back in like the late nineties in WCW. He was the first person I ever saw do that where he, where, where there were like two rings set up and he literally like spring, like slingshotted and then springboarded from one ring rope to the other ring rope and then hit like his, uh, hurricane Rana on someone. I don't remember what type mm-hmm. of match it was, but, uh, he, he did that twice, like two different times in two different ways. And one of them was that, uh, like reversal Spanish fly that he did off the middle mm-hmm. rope. And it was just he did a few of those things where I was like, that was awesome. And it was and it was so cool. Like it was so unique and different. And and he nailed it. Like that happened multiple times. Yeah, I think he was. And and he did that. I mean, this is not as technically impressive, but he also hit that great coast to coast. Yeah, yeah. Into the chair or whatever. That was great. And that was um, unlike a few other things we might talk about later, it was shot really, really well too. Yes. So it looks as devastating as it possibly could, yep. but you can yep. still see the distance he has to clear. He was the MVP. Well, yeah, I, I, he was, he was the best takeaway from this match for me. Cause you know, he's good, but he's also kind of been the one he's been the chump of the inner circle all year. He's the one eating yeah. all the pinfalls and 
getting run over by go-karts and like all this really goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. It was great to see like, no, no, no. Whenever this run ends with inner circle, he's going to be really, really fun to watch as a singles wrestler. And I'm very yep. excited for that. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It's fun match. It was brutal. They didn't hold back anything. They beat the crap out of each other. Bled exactly like maniacs. Yeah. Yeah. Saw some, uh, saw some unique things. Jericho taking off the turnbuckle and hitting MJF was fantastic. But the best part of that was Tony Schiavone being like, gouge him with it. (laughs) (laughs) The the unprofessional Tony Schiavone with MJF is awesome. Like that is a great little touch because it's different. Like it's, it's different and it feels more, you know, it's more raw and stuff, especially for a seasoned broadcaster like Tony Schiavone, just straight up just throw in all realm of professionalism and everything out the window. Every time MJF's around, like yeah. he's cursing on air. He's doing all this. Like, it's just great. I love it. And that moment where he just, just, just like gouge him with it. I was like, okay, Tony, let's pump the brakes, man. Yeah, oh, it was great. I really like that. That's very entertaining. Oh, that sometimes rubs me the wrong way when I think they take a little too far, but I am a big fan of, uh, it just makes the product feel more real, well, frankly. Well, he doesn't it makes do it, it with anybody else. Honest. That's the other thing. It's not like he's doing well, it with all the heels. He's not doing – it's just this one right. person. Well, there's another example I was thinking of. This is not the same thing, but just kind of on that note of the babyface commentators just calling it like they see it. At the beginning of the show when Don Callis is like, yeah, sorry, Kenny Omega couldn't make it. And JR was immediately like, yes, he could. We just saw him. <laughs> like what? Come on. And That's they're just like, they're And I was like, just like, yeah, get him, JR. Lie. That was – yeah. Right. Like I, I, some people that rubbed them the wrong way, but I really liked that. No, I, I thought that was very I loved fun. it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it because it's like what are because so many things with wrestling is, you know, trying to hide a lot of those things and kind of treating you like an idiot sometimes. Exactly. In the meantime. Exactly. And, and they don't do that most of the time. Every now and then they still do with certain mistakes, like at the end of certain pay-per-views. But um. For the most part, yeah, like you said, they 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 really go into that and are just like, yeah, no, no, Kenny Omega's definitely here, guys. Like he's straight up lying. <laughs> right, right. That was but an so awesome yeah, same, moment. same thing in the main event, I guess. I I feel like they started tearing up the ring like incredibly early. Like they did it off screen. The like they did it during a commercial break, and then it came back, and the ring was just torn up. You're like, wait, what? Did did yeah. we, did I miss something? What 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 happened? Yeah, it was weird. The whole flow of this match was awful as far as the commercials and the different things like it was that was all done really bad. Really, the really commercials, badly. Yeah, the commercials kind of sucked the life out of it. I feel like it was just a sprint though. Like there wasn't a lot of lulls in this. No, you no, know, it, I mean? it, it, it flew. Was, it was high intensity the whole time, which can be hard to pull off, but I think that's the perk of having people come in like they do like the Royal rumble. Yeah. I think it, I I thought that kind of worked, but then, yeah, like as you get to your third commercial break and what you thought was supposed to be the third act of the match. Yeah. Started to get a little, I did like at the beginning when Dax Hardwood hit that uh, amazing double a spine buster and then immediately tried to pin Sammy Guevara. That was awesome. (laughs) That was great. And then tried like for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, no, you can't win yet. Like, I, I just like that. That's a good little heel moment. I like that a lot. I'm glad that they um, I'm glad that they did that because that's a nice little planting for the story, too, because I'll be honest, maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention or I forgot. But I, I, I forgot it had to be by submission or by quitting. Yeah, yeah, I did, too. And I thought that was really dumb. Like, I thought that was such a stupid stipulation because I was like, well, what do you mean I by mean, quitting? What does that mean? Well, clearly well, we that's know- going to be the way this stupid match ends with some dumb thing right. like that. Because I'm like, that's a stupid thing to put in there. And so right. it's like, yeah, why? And why are not pinfalls not a thing? Easy. Why? Are, why right. are pinfalls not a thing? Like, why? Why? Right. Why did we get rid of that? That's just. Ugh, it's just. Sometimes, like we said it before, sometimes AEW, they overthink things and they try and get too cute with things, and yeah. it never. It usually does not work out when they do that. And I thought right, that so- was the case there yeah so you want to you want to get to the ending then because obviously that was them planting the seed and making very clear that the way the match ended would be giving the win to the pinnacle and not just this weird 
non-finish. Right, which is fine. And that I was, you know, that I was fine with because, I mean, we talked about this last time. The Pinnacle needed to win this match. Like, 100%, they had to. Um, They're the new faction and all this stuff. Like, they they have to, they they needed to get that. Um, And I, I mean, in the way it was, it was, I thought it was well done for the most part. Because you have Jericho and MJF, of course, isolated mm-hmm. on the top. That's what you want. Um, you know, Jer- Jericho has MJF in in the walls. MJF just straight up punches him in the groin, which I don't know why more people haven't used that as a reverse because it seemed very effective. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately puts on the ring, you know, or, or puts on his submission and then takes the ring and knocks him out, you know, and all that. And then he's going to throw him off the top of the cage and you have all of inner circle, not even trying to climb up or help or anything. They're just going to stand there and just (laughs) beg him not to throw him off the top of this. What was it? 10 foot cage or it? It It was a little taller. It wasn't that tall. Let's just say that it wasn't short, but it wasn't that tall. It wasn't hell in a cell. No. And, uh, they're like, no, no, we quit. We quit. Don't hurt Jericho. And MJF's like, all right, bet. And threw him off. And you're like, of course. And that's a great heel moment, obviously. But it was just such a stupid ending of this match on all parts. And then to cap it off, and this is not anyone's fault in particular. This is just our fault as desensitized wrestling fans who watched people literally kill themselves for decades. Um, when you watch... Jericho get thrown off a 12 foot cage onto a crash pad you're just like well that really wasn't that bad at all like and I get it like we don't want to be killing people like I I get it but when I've watched Mick Foley throw himself off a 20 foot cell onto the concrete floor Mm -hmm. for years and we just saw Darby Allen throw himself down concrete step like you literally the same show yeah yeah you watch then you're like that was uh, no and it wasn't it wasn't the explosion from revolution but <laughs> right it's better yeah, yeah but it was very anticlimactic, and and that's partially that's not really anyone's fault it's just we're just desensitized at this point we've seen so much more than that that to still in this day and age try and do those spots it's very hard for anyone to really care it really takes, you know, Darby Allen or Jeff Hardy, like his Jeff Hardy's done similar things. Like when he jumped off and Swanton Randy Orton at the end of Raw off that like 35 foot scaffolding, like 100 percent, he did not land on Randy Orton. And there was some sort of pad there in some way, yeah. but it was but he still jumped like 40 feet, you know, like so even with mm-hmm. that, it, it was enough. This was not that <laughs> at all. It was very pathetic. And I'm just like, Jericho's fine. Like, he's good. Someone help him up. He He's fine. It maybe, maybe slightly knocked the wind out of him at absolute worst. And, uh, <laughs> like, again, I'm not saying that any fall like that feels good. But right. it, it just, it wasn't that bad. It just wasn't. You know what, you know what I think it is? First of all, I really I, I like the finish itself. I like the booking. I like that idea. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I even I I like the way they pulled it off because I like it. It would have been a little bit better if like Sammy or somebody Santana and Ortiz was was trying to climb the cage. Yeah. And MJF's like, don't do it. I'll throw him. Because, right. you know, like you can't feasibly, cl- especially wrestlers, you know how wrestlers climb. <laughs> you can't feasibly climb that cage in time to save him. But, I, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. But I loved the finish. I loved that. Like the fact that they kind of had to make it real obvious that quitting was an option. Yeah. was a little annoying, especially in retrospect. But right. I love, like we said this last week, I mean, like MJ, like everything that happened is what needed to happen. The pinnacle needed to win and they needed to win in a way that made MJF look like an absolute superstar and an incredible heel. Yep. And I think that's what they did. And what's funny is all of that, like all of the brawling on the top of the cage was shot so well. He's got that blood running down his face. Yeah. He holds up the ring like to himself. Like that was shot perfectly. Yep. 
And I love, like, I talk about Sammy Guevara being kind of like my MVP of this match. I love that he was the one that did it. I love that he was, again, you know, teasing that even more babyface singles run. He's the one who was like, no, like Chris Jericho's life and well-being is more important than this match. Yeah. And there'll probably be some tension there between them going forward, which is also cool. You can build off of that. But it also makes him look like a good dude, even though he should have known that was coming. But, you know, he did that to protect his friend. And MJF yeah. looks like an absolute bastard for just yeeting him off the cage anyway. <laughs> I loved all yeah. of that. I that think that's that definitely one fun. of those where you're like, okay, I 100% know exactly what's going to happen here, but it yep. still needs to happen because it's the right move. And then when it, it does, so you're good. like, yeah, I wanted it to see him great. throw him off Ooh. anyway. Yeah, do it. The dissonance is two things, right? It's one, they still need to get their production up to scratch. It's funny that every week, like, you trash WWE and I'm like, no, it's good, but I don't watch SmackDown because that's on Friday nights and I don't usually watch wrestling on Friday nights. But like every time we talk about AEW and they mess up, you think of something that WWE does well. Their production is really, really good. They mm -hmm. know how to do stuff like this. Yep. And if you're going to have it be an obvious crash pad spot, yeah, they know it. not to like zoom in on right. the crash pad. Right. They hide it. Ways. They, they literally yes. they shoot it. They shoot it uh, as an obstructed view or something like that. Like they'll fall out of frame. They'll fall right. behind something. Else. Like they do it like a movie. Like they hide things really, really well, which is what I was just talking about with that Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton spot back from 2008. Yeah. They literally they're like in kind of a little like they're they're down like below the stage. So like when Jeff Hardy falls, he falls out of frame, like behind yeah. the stage. And then they're able to do that. And then, you know, they can do whatever. Like, they've been doing that for years. And it always works. Because it's like, yeah, we know, you know, we know what's going on. But when it's not just thrown in front of your face, you can suspend your disbelief way, way, way better. Right. Well, and the other piece of that, I mean, we were just talking about a good example of this. Like, when commentary goes, oh, yeah, Don Callis is lying right now. Yeah. Every wrestling fan is like, oh, that's not true. He's just chickening out of the match. So then the announcers are like, hey, this guy's obviously lying. That's nice because it's not treating us like we're stupid. Yeah. But the last two like grand finales of their gimmick matches have been horribly like botched on yeah. the production side of things. And when commentary still sells that like pure death, yeah. it's really condescending. I'm not saying you have to act like, oh, well, that's actually – what, what luck he landed on an air mattress like you don't do that but there's a way you can be like shocked and horrified without saying the concrete floor Ugh. as you can see the pile of pillows he's sitting on top of <laughs> like same thing when the bomb went off right oh, they were like boy. oh they're you know they treated it like they were literally dead despite everything like all evidence to the contrary when we can see something isn't that bad right they have to find a middle ground in order to allow us to like if they sell it and they're like, oh, no, what how you know, and they're shocked and they're horrified without elaborating too much. You can kind of you can be like, all right, yeah, this is serious when they're like, he's dead, he's broken in half. Like, no, he's not. No, he's you fine. know, he's not. And it bothers you more that way. So now, it's those uh, two things. No, no, no. Now, Darby Allen was about broken in half earlier in the show. Like Correct. we just said, and that that did not help this ending at all. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even think about that until this point. We literally yeah, watched just... Darby Allen get thrown down concrete steps, and it looked like he broke his arm, like for real. Yeah, like it looked yeah. bad. It looked it looked really bad. And you're like, yeah, see, okay, that's what we're used to in wrestling. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a fair standard to hold wrestlers to, but that's what we're used to in wrestling. And then now to see a big push, and again, I understand in the name of safety, I totally get it. But at some point, you just got to quit doing these like, you know, you just you just have to because it, it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. These these crazy big bump spots or maybe they do. Maybe we're the outliers. Maybe other people don't care. But at least for me, it really takes me out of it. This is a great example. Um, like I'm a huge fan of magic. Like, I really like magicians and stuff like that. I could not give two craps about the massive David Copperfield magicians who make whole building disappear and stuff like that. That's all stupid to me. But the, the street magician or the magician that's doing card tricks and sleight of hand stuff, 
is incredible and fascinating, and I love watching that. I feel the same way about wrestling. When they do these big spectacle things, it's just so, most of the time, it's just so abundantly fake now in this day and age where you're like, even if I don't know how they did it, I know it is, and it's not that impressive to me. And I feel like that's kind of where a lot of this is going. Now, they were able to make it work with the stadium stampede match. They did a really good job with that. But um, that match was also a little silly. Right. And this right, one was right, right. very explicitly exactly. not. That's exactly. the difference. Exactly. Like, because they did that big finish with uh, Kenny Omega, or, um, yeah, Kenny Omega hitting that one-winged angel right. off the thing. But also, that was really, you know, and, and yeah, he just fell into a bunch of pads, obviously. But, I don't know. I just felt like that was done better than this. And, and, the, and like you were saying, the tone of the match allowed a little bit more leniency for some of that stuff, too. When Matt Hardy is is evolving in characters every time he's dunked in the water, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it it yeah it it changes the the tone of it for sure. Here's what I think it is. I I mean I think this really is. I think it's to AEW's credit that they are always trying to push for some big stipulation or match or spot to end yeah. things. They're really going for it. They still haven't figured out how to get their ambition to match their production. Yep. And that's why stuff like this keeps happening. And I got to be honest, I think that is a problem that's unique to AEW right now. I didn't think about this at all, but somebody pointed it out to me. Like I didn't care about the build to the match between Shane McMahon and Braun Strowman at WrestleMania this year, but they had Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. And they had a couple really great cage spot match spots. And it ended with Shane McMahon taking a massive back bump off the top of the steel cage. Yeah. Now, that's not as crazy as Mick Foley almost killing himself right. twice a few years ago. Right. But that's like that to me was a very satisfying, like big fall to end the match. Yeah. But they did that because they knew, all right, Shane's insane. But he also does a lot of stuff like this and he can be relied on to take this back bump and it's not going to tickle. But he's not going to kill himself either. Yeah. And if you can't, they have to get better as a company at saying, okay, if we can't do this, then we shouldn't do it. Like they have to make their booking and what they're pitching a reality. And they just haven't been able to do it yet. Yeah. And again, I think commentary is, is the is what makes that exponentially worse, because when they are talking about the concrete floor that you can see is not a concrete floor. It just breaks it even further. But if they pretended, you know, if they weren't that specific and they were just shocked and upset, it's just a little bit more palatable, you know? So here's the thing. I think if this had been a pay-per-view, I would have been a little bit more annoyed. Not because, like, I want Chris Jericho to kill himself, but just because you know it it feels a little bit worse than if it's a TV special. So it gets to the end and you're like, yeah, it was pretty good. Because everything else in the match I really liked. I like the intensity. I thought Sammy Guevara was great. MJF, like the shots of him at the top of the cage were iconic. It's really Mm -hmm. a shame that I think two of the best character moments in AEW period and in wrestling in the last few years have been those shots of MJF on the top of the cage and Eddie Kingston coming back with no warning to save John Moxley. And both of them were immediately overshadowed by some production gaffe. And that's all people talk about. I think in the long run, people will remember that stuff more, but yeah, it, it's a shame. It is. It really is. Because, yeah, like like I said, a lot of – there were so many things that were done really well. And then – but it's not – you know, it's how you finish. It's how you finish. Yeah. Yep. And that's been – that has been a problem for AEW recently. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm now imagining this great version of the heel Darby Allen that is constantly hyping the dangerous stuff he does. And it's just really padded. <laughs> like dives and stuff like they're giving him cpr and it's literally a bed that he landed on like just ridiculously soft you know that uh, that that's don't don't <laughs> give them any ideas i could see them doing something stupid like that yeah well anyway it was a good show though i know yeah, it was about a good show. stuff we didn't like most of the time but it was a really solid evening of wrestling i enjoyed it a lot yeah it was it usually is with uh, with AEW Dynamite, for sure. All right. Well, we were able to stretch that out into an episode length, so that's that's good. Um, 
Anything else, Harris? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we'll hold our funeral for Darby Allen next week after Miro <laughs> kills him. That's going to be – it's honestly going to be a really great segment. <laughs> yeah. I think Miro is on a whole nother level right now. He had a line in that promo where he said, you're going to see what happens when the man who's not afraid to die meets the man who's not afraid to kill him. And yeah, was that like, was a oh. good line. <laughs> that was amazing. That was a great line. So, was yeah, awesome I'm – I'm looking forward to this week's episode of Dynamite almost as much as I was Blood and Guts last week. Like I'm so not, I, I'm, I'm re- like, it needs to be, th- this needs to be John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Summer. Yep. Stadium. Like it, it. Yep. Or or Cody. I mean, I think they're, and and the reason why I think it probably will happen, is because of the. I mean, they literally just did it with Brody Lee. Um, mm-hmm. They did it with Brody and uh, and Cody. And I, especially with Darby on, I could see him wanting to do that. Um, and I think it's a I think it's perfect for Darby's character. I think it's perfect for Miro's character. It, it opens up a whole bunch of other fun possibilities later down the line. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see, I want to see, yeah, I want to, I want to see Darby Allen killed in the middle of the ring by, <laughs> by Miro. I, I do. I don't care how bad that sounds. That, that, that sounds incredibly fun. I mean, there's no offense. I mean, Darby on already gets no offense in most of his matches. Right. And so I think it's just, it's perfect setup for it. He'll do like one thing. He'll get like one hit. He'll try and hit a coffin drop and then Miro will just catch him and then just probably break him in half. Yeah, it's going to be great. Anyway, tune in next week when we talk about that for another hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Tune in next week for the for the the life and death of Darby Allen. (laughs) All right. Follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla and Instagram at behind underscore gorilla. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Mark Brand. And I'm Matt Harris Wilson. Let's go ahead and do that as well. And uh, yeah, that does it for this episode of uh, Behind the Gorilla. Talk to you guys next time.